you went with Billy Joel. This is episode 55 of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Spray. And I'm Jess Geyer. Alex, what did we watch this week? We watched the week of, but what was it the week of? Do you know? It's the week of the last week we have to do this podcast. Have to or get to? Get to, really. I, I do feel like it's been an honor getting to personally know and understand Adam Sandler. Um, it's really nice that he like looked at me directly through the camera in this one and said, Jessica, your family is going to be fucking weird at your wedding. Yeah, um, it was really nice, too, because I just heard him say, like, you should drink more at your wedding and not care what other people think. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you're right. I will do that. Yeah. It, it was it was nice of him to, to personally wish us well in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're watching all 60 Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent movies every day in a row for 60 days and podcasting about it. And apparently we are also hallucinating that Adam Sandler, um, you know, we have a personal relationship with him. Uh, no, so <laughs> if I will say if some people can say they have a personal relationship with Jesus, I can have a personal relationship with Adam Sandler. I wonder what he'd feel about that's just that. how it works. I don't give a shit what he feels like. I'll kick his ass. <laughs> yeah, uh, the week of it is it stars Chris Rock and Adam Sandler as two dads. Do you remember those days hanging out at the local cinema? Engineer boots, leather jackets, and tight blue jeans. Drop a dime in the box, play the movie about raising families, or does Adam Sandler deserve all the hate? Yeah, you never asked me the question, so I just interrupted. Yeah, that's okay. At this point, I don't think we need the pomp and circumstance of it all. I'm just gonna get in there sometimes. Just like the wedding, just like a wedding, actually. Yeah, you don't, you don't need all the fancy stuff. I'll just butt in, kind of say it. All you need is family and a good Billy Joel monologue. Yeah, or not. Um. I'm actually like not a huge fan of Billy Joel, personally, but he he obviously has some good songs. I'll jam out to Uptown songs. Girl. Uptown Girl, I think, is his best song, but it also really defines who he is as a person, I think. But this movie, what's it about again? <sighs> well, it is about Billy Joel. And, no, it's... A- yes, it is, though. I'm, I'm not going to... You You made a joke. It is about Billy Joel, but continue. It's about Billy, what Billy Joel stands for. Uh, it is a movie about Chris Rock and Adam Sandler, who play two dads. And Chris Rock's son is getting married, and Adam Sandler's daughter is getting married to each other. Uh, and it's a rich dad, poor dad situation. Well, rich dad, yeah. working class dad. Yeah, he's he's not poor um, by any means. But like putting on a wedding is an expensive-ass affair. So, you know, and they're expecting 180 people. So that's really expensive. That's a lot. They, they are inviting maybe too many people. Yeah, probably. I don't think anyone actually knows 180 people. That seems like a lie to me. It does seem like a lie. <laughs> it didn't look like there were 180 people at the wedding <laughs> Well, most of them didn't go because things kind of went wrong. Oh, things go awry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a, one of the Netflix movies. So you can watch it for free. I actually would recommend this one highly. I, I really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, I will point out Netflix still isn't free. Um, you do say that a lot, though. You know, Netflix does cost money. We just don't know who's paying for it necessarily all the time. Yeah, so it's essentially free. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you really want it for free, I guess go find it. For free. And and just find it in the woods. In the woods. Regular yourself the week of. Well, people used to harvest their Netflix, you know, like in the olden days. They used to go out there and find their their streaming on demand, just like out in the wild. People just don't do that anymore. They're soft. Weirdly enough, like thinking about it, the fact that originally you did have to to mail something and be like, I want my Netflix delivered to me in three to five business days is a funny idea. Yeah, going to Blockbuster is a hassle. I don't want to do that. I I will say, as far as that disc service goes, I would never know what I want to see in three days, and I would absolutely would never have used Netflix in that manner. No, absolutely not. But I did use those, um, you know, those machines where you pay for a DVD? Uh, Redbox. All right, I was going to call it by a porn website's name, so <laughs> I was close. Yeah, Redbox. Um, I... That is why I had for a while uh, How to Train Your Dragon because I kept forgetting to return it. And then eventually Mm. you just own it after you pay enough money. (laughs) 
So yeah, I purchased like I purchased my um my my copy of How to Train Your Dragon for like thirty dollars, I think. Hey, not too bad. Jay needs all the cash we can get to him. Do you know why I rented that movie? Probably because Jay Burchell's really funny. Well, I did like the movie, but I rented it without having seen it. Uh, and it was because Jackie refused to watch Shrek anymore with me and <laughs> wanted something to that watch. Makes sense. <laughs> okay, let's that's fine. So uh <laughs> I, I laughed 78 times in this movie. Yeah, it's a funny movie. It's about two hours long. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, above a laugh every two minutes. That, that's, that's really in the prime spot. Yeah. I'd definitely watch it again also. Me too. It's now been about 24 hours since I've watched it, and I'm thinking, like, still a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I like just about all of it. There's no sections of the movie where I'm like, this is bad. The movie has some inherent stress involved in it. Mm-hmm. Which some people t- seem to not like, but like I'm, I'm about it. You can't stress me out. It's less stress than the Meyerowitz stories. Like the Meyerowitz stories was like almost too real. You know, mm-hmm. I would still watch Meyerowitz stories again too. Yeah. And even though Meyerowitz stories and this movie are about the same length, I think, right? Yes. This one felt like it went by a lot faster. Yes, I'd, I'd agree and with that. And it was mostly a comedy where Meyerowitz's story was more drama-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, although, of course, I thought that one was funny, too, just in a more intellectual way. This one is funny in an intellectual way, too. Yeah, they actually, they they do really well <laughs> hitting on a few jokes on this. There's some, like, outlandish jokes along the way. <laughs> it's definitely a farce, yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of humor in just the dad Adam Sandler is in this movie. Yeah. It is relatable in a fashion that we don't see too often. So much. Stuff like picking up a Starbucks coffee <laughs> for someone you're picking up at the airport to like impress them, being like, Oh, I don't I don't care about the price at all. He said and it's like, worth it. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, he like definitely cares. Um, which I saw someone lambast that as product placement. I'm like, he's talking about how he doesn't want to buy it because it's too expensive. No one drinks the Starbucks like, in the movie. How would that be good product placement? Yeah. <laughs> Chris Rock turns it down and it, it goes yeah, on drink. Product placement for the quality in. Yeah. <laughs> the place they call complete shit throughout the entire movie. <laughs> but interestingly enough, I laughed 78 times in this movie. But I also, I got two half tear ups during the movie too it so involves father-daughter stuff mm-hmm. and that can really get like adam sandler as a dad is very touching uh, i don't think we mentioned in meyerwitz stories how much we teared up i teared up three times in meyerwitz stories did you cry at all in meyerwitz stories no <laughs> okay I, I, I went back and checked though yeah uh this movie though i didn't i was close Mm-hmm. Actually, I think I did tear up. I just didn't write it down because I'm not doing what you're doing. That's fair. Um, There's also a three-star Sandlayer film. It's partially written by Adam Sandler. It stars him, and it's by Happy Madison Productions. This is one he definitely cared about and was integral in making. Mm-hmm. But can you guess how the critics and audience liked this movie? <sighs> I don't think that they gave this one a fair shake. Even though I think it is on par. It's not as good as Meyerowitz stories, but it is... I think, almost on par with it. Mm-hmm. So I think, though, the critics didn't like it as much. I I don't think that they could have like completely wrecked it. I think 40%-ish. And I think audience, like, I'm going to say audience liked it like 65. How dumb could you be? No. Audience 27%? How? Or sorry, critic okay, 27%, okay. audience 34. But yeah, it, it, everyone hated it. This is... So deep in the it's you're an idiot if you think Adam Sandler makes good movies that that you can read it through the entire thing. Um, There's a few people who gave it a fair shot, but like I absolutely do not believe people gave this movie a fair shot, nor did they really give it a uh, really care to think about what it was trying to say. And this one, this one pisses me off the most because this person seems to have seen what it was supposed to say. And then decided that it's still to make some stuff up. I don't know what they made up. A messy patchwork of a movie that is totally all over the map and way overstays its 116 minutes. I don't think it's totally all over the map. No. It is what having a family gathering is like for me. What could have been an inclusive comedy about class and ethnicity is instead a random dump of easy, mean-spirited jokes mixed with unearned sentimentality. 
And the, the thing about that is, to me, it's a very good movie about class and ethnicity. I don't know if he didn't get the points. But, like, where are the mean-spirited jokes other than, like, the old angry man gets hit on the head once or twice in a comedic way? Like, that's could be mean-spirited. If you like Trump, you might have found some things in this mean-spirited. Uh, yeah. You, you have anything else where, like, it felt mean-spirited? No. Um. Someone else called, just said, raunchy comedy about dad throwing a wedding for daughter. It really wasn't that raunchy, but, you know, you go. It wasn't. I'm so confused. <laughs> and this is a positive one that confuses me. Sure, there's the usual screeching and stickiness and product placement, but the flick is also surprisingly easygoing, capturing the nervous energy that comes with weddings. Like, movie was anything but easygoing, in my opinion. Because <laughs> it was a nervous, stressful movie, which was good. That's, like, totally what they were going for. So I'm very surprised that you would put that in it. But I'm like, the screeching and stickiness. I'm like, what shtick did he do? Being a, a nervous father is a shtick Adam Sandler's known for? I, I, I don't know. Alex, like, this is one of the times where I am, like, legitimately confused. Yeah, because, I mean, we've watched a few movies that aren't so great around this, but, like, like this one. What we assume might turn into a patriarchal power struggle never reaches a boil, making for an overly sentimental movie that misuses the outsized talents of its two big stars. You'd get the fucking movie. The movie isn't about if Chris Rock or Adam Sandler are better. That would be a boring thing for them to have done. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really, though, I think people need also, this is pr- not really related, but also kind of related. People need to look at who is writing movie critics, like critiques, I should say. Who's doing, the, I'm, I'm, who are these critics? They are. Oh, all white men. Almost, almost completely. There are a couple women in there. <laughs> and they have, um, of course, they have, they have one Spanish review. Um, I'm assuming this person named Kiko Vega is um, uh, probably Latinx or Hispanic. Yeah, there's normally one review that is translated from... Uh, Spanish, yeah. And yes, it's full review in Spanish. They are are more fair than normal, to, to be fair. Uh, the a spin-off. Yeah, website. I saw that. But just like almost entirely just white dudes as their, as their critics. And all of them as their top critics, it looks like. Yeah, of course. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is a chat. You don't make a website that does one of two things without wanting to pitch to white men. And that is making an aggregate to make a useless number for statistics like Nate Silver. If you didn't know this, don't listen to Nate Silver. He's a fucking hack. (laughs) That's true. Unless it's sports, guys. Fine with sports. It's fine. Just because you're good with numbers in one thing doesn't mean you can make a prediction game for everything. Also, the idea of boiling politics down to a single number is idiotic. Go take a stats class if you think that it's not. But the other thing is, instead of making something yourself, telling people why it's bad. That's another thing that is like a predominantly white male uh, attribute of the internet. <laughs> and I, if, if you are thinking to yourself, that's unfair and stupid what I said. Then give us a review on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rate me one star and tell me exactly how it is. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's recap real quick because I want to talk about this because I think there's a lot of good, interesting things to say about this movie. Yeah, sorry I wasn't riffing with you too much. Like, I'm legitimately... I know I've been flabbergasted with a couple of these movies, but I really thought this movie was well put together. <laughs> yeah, I for, for, for an example, um, though, I just really love this. Edwin P., one of the worst movies I've seen in a while. Super cringe and not funny at all. Joanne. I was never a Sandler fan, but this picture really nails Long Island working class family culture. If you're raised on the island during the 70s, 80s, you know some of these characters. Ugh, if the script were a little tighter and pacing of the film more dynamic, this could have been a real gem. I hope Sander and crew keeps evolving towards more intelligent, funny, insightful work. Could be great. Kudos to the elderly actor who plays the amputee uncle. What a good sport. And it's like a four star rating. And then Danio, Worst movie of all time. I do want to point out the elderly actor is younger than Adam Sandler. Yeah, I just read that uh, <laughs> on there, at least according to the trivia and IMDb. I looked him up, yes, but oh it, my it's gosh. just very Yeah, funny. it's just very good makeup. Because they make him look yeah. absolutely decrepit. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and it's, hey, it's funnier when an actor gets hit on the head than an actual elderly old man. They're not abusing an old man in this movie, <laughs> like I did read one user review say. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> well, Jim Barone or Jim Baroni, I'm not really sure how to pronounce his name. It's the only movie he's been in. Um, and according to his IMDb page, like he is actually a double amputee. Mm-hmm. But it says when they were casting for the movie the week of, a casting call went out for a man without legs. Multiple staff at Gaylord Hospital in Wallingford, Connecticut, pushed for him to try out and actually submitted his name for consideration. He was known as the funniest guy around already, so they felt it was a natural choice. Which I think is hilarious. He did really well as a grumpy old bastard. Uh, yeah, let me recap. Yeah. Uh, Chris Rock and Adam Sandler's kids are getting married, as I said. Uh, Chris Rock plays an extremely rich, womanizing heart surgeon. Um, and I think his first name is Kirby in this, but they keep calling him, like, doctor or whatever. Sandler plays a working class Long Island guy who loves but fights with a lot uh, his wife, Rachel Dratch. He insists, well, he is insisting on paying for the whole wedding, which he's holding at the Quality Inn, uh, two diamond Quality Inn that he helped work on with his company, who does like something involving construction or something. He's a, he's a contractor of some sort. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to get the executive suite, which is, you know, it's a quality ends executive suite. So it's not great to look nicer so he can impress the doctor. Uh, meanwhile, more and more people, including his grand uncle Seymour, who has uh, no legs, are staying at his house, especially when problems with leaks keep occurring in the hotel. Meanwhile, the wedding planning is a little on the tacky side with uh, the families like, you know, there's just like a lot of wedding tacky stuff going on um, and other wacky things keep happening. There's just like a lot of weird farcical stuff that happens. Uh, but the in-laws love Sandler, who hosts them like family, uh, especially when, uh, you know, they because of the leaks, they can't stay at the hotel. So they have to stay in now. They're very now cramped house. Chris Rock eventually comes. He stayed a night in New York, in Manhattan before, um, instead of staying with a family and lies about it and he comes and has to stay at the house too because he gets hit in the head with a chandelier that the hotel workers installed to make the room look nicer and he ends up when he's staying on the floor of the house he ends up having a sex dream and fondling the great uncle's legs and screams uh when he wakes up uh which results in him being passed a hot baking pan and burning his heavily insured hands a Leak, though, unfortunately, forms in the banquet hall at the hotel, too. And luckily, though, the great uncle's only remaining set of clothes is his old army uniform. So even though he was discharged for going AWOL over Passover and also that he so he only served 11 months in the army during World War II, wasn't even stationed overseas, and he lost his legs instead of the war to diabetes. Uh, He's treated like a hero at Sandler's Son Isaac's baseball game. The mayor ends up inviting Seymour to an event and using him as a prop to deflect negative questions about his corruption. And Chris Rock and Adam Sandler use this opportunity to get the mayor to hold a dinner for Seymour at City Hall, uh, which the mayor agrees to under duress. <laughs> and this is a, a much nicer venue than the uh, than the inn. It will include a photographer and dinner, so everyone celebrates. At the rehearsal dinner, which is extremely nice uh, and paid for by Chris Rock, Rock's ex-wife gives a very lovely speech, and then Chris Rock absolutely flounders in his, um, showing how much he like just doesn't connect with his family. Then at the bachelor party, the great uncle has a stroke and dies when he's after he's tossed into a foam pit with strippers. They hold the the bachelor party at a trampoline slash like gymnastics place, trampoline park slash gymnastics place, which is so incredibly tacky, but also hilarious. The mayor cancels the dinner. So they have the funeral. The mayor ends up canceling the dinner. Uh, So Sandler has to concoct a plan to like hide the fact that this has happened, which ends up with a plan to capture a bunch of bats with his wife and with Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, who plays his brother, just instantly going, <laughs> if we have to shut down a place, let's get to the bridge and grab some bats. <laughs> and That'll work for sure. Rachel Dredge is into it. She's into the plan yeah, right away. instantly. And then <laughs> Sandler just is like, well, I guess we're going to need a lot of people then. And just half the family is like secretly <laughs> helping. And... 
it, it is like one of the most farcical moments of it, but it, it's so like, funny. It works so well that they're just trying this absolutely, you know, batshit insane plan. Yeah. To to do this thing. <laughs> Steve Buscemi's character is my favorite in this too, because he's supposed to supply the alcohol for the wedding, and he goes to a duty free store and gets like human sized bottles. <laughs> Of booze and a gigantic yeah. Toblerone. I want really that good. Toblerone really bad. I don't know if anyone else has had this experience where you're like, you give someone money to buy you booze and they come back with just the absolute worst shit. It's exactly that scene. Yeah. my I remember giving $20 to someone when I was like 20, being like, hey, can you buy me some gin? And he came back and handed me $15 and change in a half gallon. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? I didn't want the worst plastic bottle. I gave you $20 for a reason. And, uh, but hey, I had $15 and change. It was fine. <laughs> you should Crystal Palace, what up? God, it's so awful. Uh, anyway, uh, so they capture bats. They stuff them down the chimney. And the plan actually works. <laughs> the city hall is shut down. So the family, <laughs> I just love that the plan works. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> And then all the, the entire family watching on the news in the morning. Like, oh, man, what are we going to do? It's the day of the wedding. Yeah. Well, do you guys want to go with the bats or like the leak at the hotel? Like, <laughs> they just keep doing that. So they end up holding the the event at um, the, the hotel, which still has a leak. But they make the best of it. Um, actually looks like a pretty dope wedding. Even with the big bucket of ceiling water, like they have a trash can where the ceiling leak has been filling into the whole night, which is in the middle of the dance floor. During the horror, when the fathers are being lifted up on chairs, uh, Chris Rock and Sandler try to have a conversation above the crowd. Like, it's really about their parenting and their careers because Adam Sandler doesn't look very happy. And Chris Rock says something about, like, like you would be a little happier if you like hadn't spent your whole life just worrying about your kids and now you don't know what to do next like what's the next step because he's like put so much of his life into like raising his daughter you know he's a sad dad at this moment and they keep like telling him like no lift this up we're having a conversation and during this one of the people holding the chairs collapses (laughs) knocking sandler into the trash bucket of water which dumps into the electric sockets, causing a fire that also ignites on the giant bottles of booze um, and catching all the gifts on fire. Uh, so everyone evacuates. And Sandler stops his daughter and he he cries and he, he says he's sorry for making the wedding about him and how he should have just accepted Chris Rock's money and had you know, let him pay for the wedding. Um, so during the wedding photos, which are held in the only room that isn't on fire in the hotel, apparently, which is the pool, uh the indoor pool uh both she and her dad are crying (laughs) so they end up though holding a makeshift reception in sandler's yard and it's really nice it's it's really quaint it's it's they've got music going they they even do a little spotlight with a headlight and a traffic cone the bride and groom have their first dance to the song when i fall in love which is sung by her great grandma who is who is um apparently dead in in the movie but they roll in a tv that she had like pre-recorded a vhs tape and it's just sandler dressed as an old lady uh singing the song which is hilarious that is probably the biggest tonal shift in the movie but i loved it (laughs) i mean it was the funny thing is it was foreshadowed too it was it was and then the daddy daughter dance comes on and it's to lullaby by billy joel there's been a lot of billy joel throughout like almost all of the musical cues are billy joel every musical cue with adam sandler is billy joel Mm -hmm. And there are some touching moments between Sandler and Dratch and Rock and his ex-wife and Rock and his daughter, uh, who doesn't really like him that much because he's absent from her life, except for money. That's basically how the whole family feels. Um, And even the sad neighbor, played by Jared Sandler, who is in love with the bride, has sex with the bridesmaid and is happy in the end, after tearing down his shrine of pictures to Sarah. Uh, Well... You know those pictures was of the bridesmaid, not the bride, right? No, they were of Sarah. No, they were not. They were of the bridesmaid. That's who he was infatuated with the whole time. That was the joke, is that he didn't care about the bride. That that bridesmaid was from out of town. That was one of Sarah's college friends. No, I'm pretty sure that was the other high school friend, wasn't it? I'll have to look. Yeah, I'm... I'm 
Uh, now I'm confused and I'll have to go back and see. No, that was a college friend, wasn't it? I think so. I don't know. I thought the pictures were of that girl, though, so I'm very confused. I thought it was of Sarah and him together because they had dated, like, yeah, briefly. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I, I am really bad with faces. I might not have been able to tell the difference. It was really fast, too. Um, anyway, at 5 a.m., when people are starting to go to bed, Chris Rock wants to stay up and play Parcheesi with the family because he says, when's the next time the whole family will be together? So Sandler talks about Thanksgiving, and Chris Rock says, yeah, but they'll have it at his house in St. Lucia, and he's going to get a private jet and pay for everything. And even though Sandler says, like, oh, I'll pay for half of the jet fuel, and then he eventually agrees, like, okay, sure, fine. Um, and then they talk about grandkids, and Chris Rock doesn't know how Wheels on the Bus goes, and that's kind of how the movie ends yeah i actually really like the ending too yeah. because it's it's a, a straight uh mention towards filmmaking and what they're doing because everyone says like oh you just get together with your friends for vacations and they end it with well we'll take a vacation and i'll pay for a private jet for all our friends so we can get together yeah and when they talk about grandkids i mean there's a reason adam sandler's nephews in the movie Although, he's actually a pretty good actor, so I don't mind it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like this movie a lot. I I thought it was very, as someone who, you know, grew up in, like, a working class family um, that didn't have a lot of money going around, like, I could, even though I didn't have a big family or anything, I, like, really, it really resonated with me, like, that, that working class pride that people have. Yeah, Uh, I mean, that was probably the biggest theme of the movie is that Adam Sandler has this working class pride. He's an everyman. And because that he doesn't want it taken away from him Mm -hmm. and he doesn't want Chris Rock, who's rich, to be able to, you know, take away this production he's doing. He has a thing. This is his chance to be like the hero of the story. And even though it's so easy for Chris Rock to, to fix it, it matters a lot for him to do it himself. And, you know, that's that's a a bad aspect of pride he should ask for help is like chris rock doesn't even want necessarily to be uh rewarded for it he just thinks it'd be easier and it'd be more comfortable for him yeah and and like sandler's character you definitely get the sense that he's feeling like he has to compete with this guy when really what the family wants is someone who is more like him like someone who's actually going to be there for the family and no one really cares about sleeping on the floor only Chris Rock does. Chris Rock hates it. He hates everything about it. And the, the the interesting thing is that if in the beginning of the movie in this universe, Adam Sandler's character takes the help, says he planned it still, they, they do and plan it, he would have spent more time with the family, which is what they want. Yeah. You know? That said, they, they are all putting an unnecessary amount of uh, work on him mm-hmm. because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like how he sees himself as a provider. And that's kind of what causes that that conversation. If you, if you didn't get that emotion that he had, then the conversation with his daughter um, when the fire is happening wouldn't make a lot of sense. Because yeah. like when you see your dad like working hard for everything for you and like he like like that conversation if my dad had that conversation with me i would also be crying my eyes out too like i understand that conversation i don't really know how to put it into words very well i guess yeah i guess what it is is there's you know a certain hope someone might have for their kids and for their family and for the people that they like Mm -hmm. and there's a certain amount of support they want to always be able to put out for them and in reality, you're never going to put out that much support mm-hmm. or be able to be that available and helpful. So on something important like a wedding, the idea of screwing it up is like extremely negative. And that's that's kind of what's welling up is he wants to do this one last thing in which he can take care of his daughter for mm-hmm. and do it right. And he can't. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it is wrapped up in like traditionalism too. Cause like traditionally the father is supposed to like the, the family of the bride is supposed to pay for the wedding. Um, like it's kind of, it's that weird sense of like the dad has to do stuff for the daughter. And then that responsibility is passed over to the husband. Like there's that kind of layer mm-hmm. of traditionalism too. So there's like that societal pressure too, you know? Yeah, and it, it shows that that's, like, inherently a flawed way to think about things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Although it's also obvious that Adam Sandler really likes his son-in-law in this movie because he's so much like himself. Yeah. His son-in-law goes to the youngest brother and is constantly helping him out and like, you know, being nice to him and teaching him things, which is all you can ask for in like, you know, mm-hmm. a good male role model. And the the son-in-law too relies on Sandler like when he feels bad because he was one of the people who helped throw Seymour into the foam pit. He's mm-hmm. crying and he doesn't like his his real dad is right there. He doesn't go to his dad for comfort. Sandler says like it doesn't matter. They're not even real people. <laughs> he said it was fine. <laughs> um, no, no but, he says that, I mean, he would have had a stroke whether or not he was in a phone pit with strippers or if he was sitting at home watching Jeopardy. It was going to happen. So, um, and yeah. then the hug. And it's like, the guy feels bad. And Chris Rock is just watching like, at, I should have been the person. You yeah, know? that's where he kind of starts realizing that he's has failings as a father. He didn't understand past what he already knew you know yeah i think another thing that maybe some people didn't quite get uh was that the chris rock's acting was pretty understated in a lot of this movie people are used to chris rock kind of being really bombastic in movies most of his acting in this movie comes through like his expressions and his face plus he's playing a character who is just uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like almost throughout the entire movie and he doesn't really kind of come out until like after the wedding, really. Uh, and that like you can really connect after that. But I think that that was like, you know, on purpose. Yeah, I, I found a lot of people said like, oh, Chris Rock forgot how to act. I'm like, no, he's acting as someone that's not himself. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Rock yells a lot in his comedy and is loud when he's not doing that. It's probably him acting like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think he did a really good job of getting the realizing that he's the one out of place. Yeah, and his facial expressions. His facial expressions yeah. are so good in this movie. Chris Rock does uncomfortable extremely well. He does. And with that, I, I think one of the best parts of this movie is the, the classism aspect, which is Chris Rock is rich in this movie. Yeah, like very rich. Yeah, like unfathomably rich. His hands are insured he can buy out a a ballroom instantly without thinking about it he takes private jets that type of thing (laughs) they have the rehearsal dinner at size yeah size dad's house or something yeah yeah (laughs) but like so he has trouble understanding the issues and the problems that these people in the like middle class are having whereas uh and the way they do this well i think is they have his family which is all a black family come in there's problems with the hotel and they end up staying at adam sandler's jewish family's house mm-hmm. and there is a little bit of awkwardness between them but not much they they understand the basics of what's going on there they don't complain about having to sleep on air mattresses mm-hmm. they're happy to just like sit down and eat together and make jokes mm-hmm. they all like fit together pretty well and chris rock comes in and cannot fit in Mm-hmm. And it's because, you know, it, it's making a, a a show of the fact that the differences between the extremely wealthy and the middle class are much more than the differences between two, like, ethnic groups. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I I, I thought it the one scene, um, kind of going back a little bit to Chris Rock's facial expressions, too, the one where I, like, really noticed his uncomfortable look is during the wedding, it's, it's a Jewish wedding, and the son-in-law, the groom, sings in Hebrew um, and everything. And, like, he just looks very uncomfortable throughout the whole thing. And he's kind of like, like, when did this even happen? Like, when did my son, like, start doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, but then his side of the family, like, they're all, like, super stoked. And, like, and they're, like, just going with it. And I, I think that you're spot on with that, that mm-hmm. the, the movie isn't about the the clash of cultures you know between the black family and the jewish family it it is about the class of culture cultures because uh due to the class yeah um and i think it's a way more interesting movie but Mm -hmm. i know a few people are like why didn't they do like jokes about how they're jewish and they're black and i'm like well because that movie (laughs) has been done about 150 times and it's not that great there was one really funny joke that oh. I liked 
where um, Adam Sandler looks out and he sees two black guys walking down the street and he invites them in. <laughs> and they're, then, <laughs> they're directly in front of his house. Yeah. But yeah he... And he says like, oh, who are you? Come in for breakfast. We got it started. Uh, gets their names. They walk in. They're like just really confused and they come in and they are not a member of the family at all. Yeah. But one of the guys <laughs> just says, just go with it. And they have breakfast <laughs> with him. And this happens again, like the scene is repeated at the backyard reception where Chris Rock comes and he tries to greet that those two are at the reception too. And he tries to greet them like they're cousins too. Like he like, like, hey, and like stuff like that. Yeah. And and <laughs> the same guys just go with it. Like showing that like it's, I love that joke. It was really funny. <laughs> and I think it's a little more nuanced too because Adam Sandler realizes his mistake and then says, well, like, still stay for breakfast. Yeah. It's fine if you guys are okay. <laughs> um, and obviously feels extremely awkward and feels bad about it. Yeah. At, but they don't even tell Chris Rock this. Like, it's whatever. It He's, was so funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, the most clever joke I thought in the movie was uh, this one where they they are playing Parcheesi and they all agreed on these house rules when uh, someone pull, rolls doubles. And Chris Rock's reading the the rules and says, like, no, you have to move two more. When you roll doubles, it's called a doublet. And you roll the sixes and the the pips on the other side. So it's actually a 14. And they said, like, we ain't never played the game like that doublet. And they keep calling him doublet throughout the movie because, like, a doublet's something a rich person wears. They're literally calling him, like, a rich person who's like, oh, cool rules, dude. Um, And people were like, I don't even understand why they... uh, like started calling him that and i'm like well from the scene but also like because it's symbolic of the differences between him and the rest of the people yeah Um, i thought that was really clever yeah i thought that was a great joke worked well um there's some other uh similar symbolism throughout the movie uh there's this the bridesmaids are college friends and high school friends of the yeah uh bride and the high school friends are just they're very small town energy. Mm-hmm. Um, they buy like penis uh, popsicles and stuff for like the what's it called? Uh, the, the bachelorette. Yeah, bachelorette party. The Hindu. Yeah, they have like shots. They're talking shit about why some other girl can't drink much. <laughs> and then the college girls are like, "Yeah, we figured you'd want to de-stress. Like, we booked you like a yoga thing today." And then they're like, fuck that. It's Ramchata shot night at the bar. And I'm like, yeah, I've heard someone say that before. No, I, I really liked the dynamic between the college friends and the high school friends. Because, like, the the one high school friend is very protective of her best friend mm-hmm. against the guy next door, Jared, who is kind of obsessed with with sarah still and is like kind of awkwardly lingering and that's not what you want you don't want your ex-boyfriend from sixth grade who's obsessed with you lingering you know before your wedding um so she kind of like chases him off uh and it doesn't it doesn't the movie never comments just like it never comments on how it doesn't say like chris rock is better of a dad or sandler's better of a dad although i mean sandler's better of a dad in this one Uh, yeah but it also doesn't comment like which friend is better, the high school friend or the college friend. Yeah, because the college friend does like get too drunk and is sloppy later. Yeah. But one of the the neat things they did was like when they're all sitting down, all the college friends are drinking LaCroix while the high school friends are drinking Coke from a can. I didn't notice it's like, that. Yeah, there's like little things like that where I'm like, that's that's a clever thing is is the kid like, you know, I drink not LaCroix, I drink Kroger Brian Fizz right now, but it's fine. I didn't but, yeah. notice that at all. It, it, that's a very, like, nice, subtle detail to show, like, the differences in these people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that that was, like, pretty true to form. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the two other fun things with that was uh, everyone thinking that the high school friend's music choices were ironic or high camp at times. Mm-hmm. I loved was them being like, oh, Journey. That's so funny. That's a hilarious thing to walk out to. And and she was just super serious about it. Mostly because they were like commenting on what music means to people. Yeah. Uh, Which I want to get to and talk about Billy Joel. But first, did you notice the huge dig where they just start making fun of Trump? I did. Yeah. Do you want to go into that? Yeah. The corrupt mayor and the phony patriotism. 
is his great scenes. So they introduce the mayor by having him. Uh, he's at a press conference. And the first thing they ask him is, when are you going to release your taxes? <laughs> and then say something like, you know, the only people who don't release their taxes have something to hide uh, or have done something illegal. And I was like, well, that's, that's not an accident in 2018. And then he parades this person who he assumes is a World War II vet in front of him saying, like, we're here to honor this veteran. Like, that's a little uncouth. <laughs> yeah. Why would you ask me such a nasty question? When our, we have a veteran right here. Um, and in the movie, I don't know if we mentioned this, the guy lost his legs to diabetes. He served in the military, but he was a private that only was in Texas. And was dishonorably discharged for leaving during Passover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, they they even have this scene where they go to a baseball game and everyone just starts cheering for the that guy's <laughs> grandson because... They think he's a war veteran and like they have him throw the first pitch and everyone's losing their fucking minds for this kid to get a hit. And the kid just like starts crying because he's like, I don't like he's not. He's I, so I don't want to be here. Um, he gets very upset. And I'm just like this. They like offer them free tuxes and they're giving them all this stuff on this false valor. And it's all all started with uh, this mayor who's just lying out of his ass and then small town people paying the price for it and acting like he's done a great thing and then Um, later i mean he gives a a false speech at the mm -hmm. at the funeral saying like i only knew him for a short time but i learned very valuable lesson um which was so funny even though he knew at that time that he wasn't a veteran yeah uh and then during the bat scene in the news thing, because when they put the bats in, he was in there having sex with like his secretary or something. Someone who probably wasn't his wife or he wasn't supposed to be having sex with. And then in the news brief uh, the next day, he doesn't call 911 at the time. He says, we can't do that. And they just leave. Um, and then he says, the mayor, the mayor who says he was very far from City Hall when this happened, <laughs> says, and like he like goes hard on the bats, like saying, well, not we will not open City Hall until every last bat and every bat pellet is cleaned. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just like overly performative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and specifically saying things he doesn't have to because it's obviously a lie. Yeah, there's a lot good there. I, I, th- I found that aspect of it very funny. But the final thing is. Why do you know why there is so much goddamn Billy Joel in this movie? Well, can I talk about the journey thing first real quick? Yeah. So journey, everyone knows the lyrics. It's just a small town girl and a city boy. Like that song is about like a clash of class culture and Mm. being working class. Like, and the fact that she's being made fun of for that choice when that's such a working class anthem is, you know, telling. And I think it's thematic. And I think, it's slightly connected to what you're going to say about Billy Joel. Yeah, it is. But I will point out, if anyone plays Journey around me, I'm going to fucking hate you because it's overplayed and it is trash and it's a bad song. You know, I I have the same opinions as the people that made fun of him, her. <laughs> but, you know, here here's the thing about Billy Joel. Billy Joel is a loser. Um, I'm sorry to say that. Uh, he's extremely successful, but critics fucking hate him. He really wants to be cool and he never will be. Um, maybe because he tries so hard. But like, he's never written down lyrics that are lamer than Bruce Springsteen's, you know? Like, Bruce Springsteen's thing about like, I, I, my body's a physical motorcycle and you should ride me is a thousand <laughs> times lamer than anything Billy Joel will ever say. Yeah, people give shit to Billy Joel. Oh my God. And like, the the thing about it is Billy Joel is very a New York and he's also this idea of a a working class guy and that's what he wanted to be that's what he thought of himself and that's what he was that's what he wrote about he was very much this icon of humble beginnings that went to superstardom and in much the way that people still think like Bruce Springsteen's very about like middle America and blah blah no one no one seems to give shit to Bruce Springsteen about this even though they're both fucking hyper rich and i think the reason they picked billy joel is because that's like a perfect way to show who adam sandler is throughout this movie he is a working class guy i mean he's playing a working class guy he's also actually super rich and that's like just what billy joel does in all his songs now you Mm -hmm. know you play scenes from an italian restaurant which i think plays three to four times um which is about like a 
I, I thought it was foreshadowing, but I think they did it on purpose of that's like about it seems like a perfect relationship uh, song. But, you know, there's something there that's going to go wrong. That stress and he keeps listening to it. But the relationship's about him and his daughter, really. Right. Like, he yeah. thinks he's going to fuck it up. And then they they play a few more modern women. This is the time by him, which are not as well known. But then they end it with playing lullaby for their song which uh, it has lyrics where it's saying like someday your child may cry. And if you sing this lullaby, then your heart, there will always be a part of me. It is literally like a Adam Sandler saying like, I'm letting you leave now and it's okay. And I understand what's going on and I can go on. And then they play big shot at one point as a joke about, you know, you have to be a big shot. Don't you blah, 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 blah is Adam Sandler. You had to do the wedding. You had to put it all on. And now everything's crumbling and it's your fault. So all, all the movies are thematic to what's happening. But mm-hmm. Billy Joel is like this. He's a bit of a boomer apologist is like one thing a lot of people don't like about him. Critics hate him. People either love him uh, or think, you know, he's crass and lame. Uh, he once I, I remember I was reading um, I reread a Chuck Klosterman article before this. Um, that people gave him shit for taking piano lessons after he got famous so that he'd be better at the piano. And what? What? Yeah. Which is, you know, a lot like if, you know, Adam Sandler started using better film techniques and they made fun of him for like trying harder. And I really see like Billy Joel is very much the musical Sandler, um, except Billy Joel doesn't have anybody and Adam Sandler does, which sounds like a lame mean thing to say but it's what billy joel says it's the only thing he cares about in life is like being in love and having someone and something he doesn't have and i find it like i i think they did this on purpose they definitely know billy joel enough to know he's like a profoundly depressed man who talks a lot about love and how this could symbolically be the same thing as adam sandler's career if things went wrong i i find that super interesting um but yeah what do you think you think he's billy joel I I think that he has discussed musical cues before that are supposed to represent the everyman. I'm thinking specifically because of a tweet that someone um, mentioned our podcast in about sticks from Big Daddy mm-hmm. and how that was used. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that Sandler tends to be pretty careful with his music choices in his movies. And like I don't think that it's any like coincidence that he's using that. I don't think he's trying to make a comparison between himself, (laughs) Billy Joel, even as a character. I just think that there is supposed to be musical cues to be thematic and have those illusions, which again, also shows some thought into the movie. I don't know. I think you use two or three Billy Joel songs. Like it was their album. That's one thing. How how many Billy Joel songs are in this movie? Do Do you want to guess? You said six, I think, didn't you? There is five, one which was played three times. Yeah, scenes from an Italian restaurant is played a couple times. Yeah, but I'll, 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 I'll give it to you. Maybe they're not saying something more profound about Billy Joel compared to Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler's character, you know. But this idea of music and how it relates to people is brought up constantly with it in this movie. There's, uh, there's the Drake joke. Right. Where they say, like, uh, who says it? I don't remember, but someone says that because he's Jewish and black. Yeah, that their their kid could be the next uh, Drake. <laughs> Which is such a well-meaning but slightly racist <laughs> relative thing to say. Yeah. I have a, I have a question. What's, uh, is Phantom, Phantom of the Opera? Yes, they want to see uh, Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. What, uh... What exactly is Phantom of the Opera about? Nothing related to this, really. Okay. Well, kind of. Phantom of the Opera is about this woman who has a beautiful singing voice, and she is under the tutelage of the Phantom of the Opera, um, who is this mysterious guy, and he's kind of, like, very, very overprotective and murders a bunch of people. So, like, maybe it's reference to the fact that, like, the Phantom kind of wants to keep Christine Daae, but it's mostly, like, of this weird, creepy love um <laughs> there is a wedding in the movie well there's a, a an engagement in the movie christine Daae and raul get engaged um and the phantom hates it 
So, like, maybe kind of, but I think it's more reference to the fact that, like, I think I might be wrong on this, but it's because they went to the city to watch Phantom. Phantom is one of the cheaper Broadway plays. It's easier uh-huh. to get into, I think. Yeah, it's been playing forever, so I assume so. Yeah, I would recommend this movie. It made me think a lot about how our wedding is going to be. <laughs> And how much I would kill for gigantic bottles of booze. <laughs> Hell yeah. And a giant Toblerone. Can I can I read one uh, last review of this movie to see? Uh, this is this is a review of uh, what I want our wedding to be like. Yeah, yeah. Right? How bad could it be? Well, as the popular Mad Men meme goes, it's not great, Bob. Fuck you, Glenn Kenny. How do you work for the New York Times with that shit ass writing? <laughs> reference to Mad Men. And if you're going to make a reference to Mad Men, don't write, hey, here's a reference to Mad Men. Reference to Mad Men. Ha ha ha. I'm so smart for knowing other pop culture. Uh, you can find our podcast at Laugh Him Pod on Twitter. Did you have something else to say about that? No, I, I can end it with my, <laughs> my tweet one. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But yeah, you can no, find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter where we just bash. We just outright bash critics all the time. We don't, but we should start doing that because we only have a couple of these episodes left. I, I'm going to make an episode like 65 where I list off names of critics I fucking hate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are going to have episodes after this where we're going to do our own happy madison scripts and do readings and um, whenever another adam sandler happy madison movie comes out we're gonna do more episodes so don't be sad that we're near the end we'll still be with you in your heart something something billy joel song you can also find our games at wannabegames.com uh do we have a game that's like this movie at all (sighs) oops all gms would be the best one yeah, I think Oops All GMs is definitely close, but now I really want to make a wedding planning game. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash games. But instead, why don't you give your money to the bail project? Because right now there are federal officers throwing people into unmarked vans in Portland, Oregon. That's bad. That's fascism. They're doing a fascism there. Oh, that a 10 out of 10 fascism, too. No, uh. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Yep. That's a secret police, fellers. That's fascism. They won't say who they are. So nope. So yeah, support the bail project because people are probably going to need bail. Mm-hmm. And you can see me tweet about stuff like that at at Joska. Uh, you can see me tweet that the Mad Men isn't good, and if you liked it, I'm proudly don't like you at Kitty Crusade. <laughs> I haven't seen Mad Men, but take my wife, please. Oh, look at me. I'm going to drink some nice whiskey and then cheat on my wife with some cigars. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they're, all, they're all fucking Draculas. And I hate them. <laughs> <laughs>